You're listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Hey guys, today I am here with Jason Harris. He he is the CEO and co-founder of Mechanism, an award-winning creative agency, and he is also the best-selling author of The Soulful Art of Persuasion, which I just read, and it is really incredible. So I reached out to him and I'm so happy that he's on the podcast today. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me. Psyched to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on as well. So before we get into the juicy stuff, all of the amazing principles you talk about in your book, I want to hear about your story. I want to hear about what initially sparked your passion in advertising and selling and and what really drove you to create your own agency that is so successful now and just kind of, you know, how you did it all and where you came from. Yeah, sure. So I started, uh, when I, I was a, a kid growing up in Virginia. My parents were teachers. They were really intellectuals. Uh, they read a ton. I was much more sort of a wild child uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And and oddly, which is not most people's experiences, when I was about 12 or 13, um, I had watched a lot of TV. I was kind of a, a TV junkie. And I loved watching and picking apart those little interstitial between the shows, which are the commercials. And I just kind of thought – as a kid, that would be like a very fun career because somebody is selling these products and services, but they have to come up with the ideas and put it out there. And that seems like a business job, but a fun business job. So I knew pretty early on that I wanted to go into advertising. And so I always say that the Kool-Aid man drove me into advertising because I'd watch you know, those Kool-Aid ads where he like busts through the wall. Um, and I was always just laughing at those and inspired. And so I kind of knew early on, uh, what I wanted to do, which is not normal. Amazing. Oh my God. I actually like vaguely remember those commercials. I I don't remember them that well, but I kind of do. And that is such a funny, you know, it's so great that you had that kind of mentality from a young age. I feel like so many kids don't really would never think that way. Do you know what I mean? So that just proves that it's just ingrained in what you were meant to do. (laughs) Yeah, it's really bizarre. And my uh, sort of story is I went, I got a, went to college, got a degree in economics uh, because I don't know, I should have done like art history, but my parents sort of were paying and that's what they, they were, you know, thought I should be, uh, get a real business degree. And then when I got out of school, you kind of, whatever career you're trying to go for, whatever interest you are, whatever your passion is, you know, you're not connected off the bat. So you're like pounding down doors and just trying, you know, sending resumes, knocking on doors, trying to have lunch with people, just really hustling to try to break in. And it was a hard industry to break into. So I did a lot of jobs that were sort of peripheral to advertising and making ads 
that were, you know, promotional things. I did some field marketing stuff. I did, uh, worked at a design firm and I just kept kind of trying to get reps to break into, uh, advertising. And then as, as I broke into advertising, I worked at a lot of different places. I worked at a, a place in London, actually. I know that's where you are. Um, mm-hmm. I worked at a couple places in LA and San Francisco and I would study. I always knew I had the entrepreneurial bug and I knew I didn't just want to be in advertising. I wanted to start something. And so I would study what other people were doing, how they were growing their businesses and pitching and selling. And I would sort of be a student and try to learn what I loved that they did and what I hated that they did. And I kind of kept a journal and I sort of kept track of what I was experiencing and what uh, how I wanted to build uh, my company. So I did that you know, for about 10 years before I started my company. And then um, when I started my company, I sort of had a lot of ideas because I had the reps. I didn't just start something right off the bat out of nowhere. Mm, yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. And was it hard for you at first creating or starting your own agency or, or at that point you had the connections and you had the people you wanted to hire and you were pretty set up? Um, I had a lot of, I started with some friends, so we all had some experience under our belt. We started the, the agency, but we didn't really start it with necessarily, you know, a big account. And so it's always rough when you're going from working for somebody else that's, you know, pretty low risk and you're getting paid and you can always find another job to starting something. We didn't have any clients and we did have some connections, like we knew some people at that point. But before you start something and are successful, you know, one thing that I did was um, we would do a lot of free work. So we would, even if we had connections, they're not going to hire a bunch of yahoos with no experience um, on their own. And so we would we would try to work with brands and just say, hey, we'll do you know, we're going to, we have this idea, we'll pitch it to you and we'll just make it for free because you're trying to build case studies and you're trying to build your roster. So a lot of the early days, you're just not making any money and you're just trying to build credibility until, you know, over time that credibility turns into real projects that pay well and clients are coming to you and people know about you. And that just uh, takes time. It doesn't happen quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you've spoken about in your book. It's it's giving and, and being generous. So I kind of want to get into, you know, these 11 habits that will make anyone a master influencer that you talk about in your book, The Soulful Art yeah. of Persuasion. So I, I think that was one of the first ones, actually, uh, being generous and, and giving to people without really expecting anything in return. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the book... Um, is really based on there are 11 habits like you said and the the principles there's sort of four core principles um do you mind if i just like hit them real quick yes uh, please so the four core principles are one uh original which is all about uh be yourself everyone else is taken that notion the oscar wilde quote that notion that leaning into who you are and your quirks and your interests will make you a more persuasive person because you really know who you are and you're grounded. The second is this idea of generosity, generous, uh, which is habitually giving things away, which can be like time, advice, connections, sometimes even gifts uh, can be 
text. It could be comments, but it's really trying to start with yourself and give things away to people without expecting that this is going to turn into X, Y, or Z. And when you do that, it comes back with compound interest to you. Um, and the third principle is empathetic, which is really just understanding other people um, and realizing that we're all so similar. And then the fourth one is this idea of soulfulness, which is about taking skills and adding a purpose to it. So trying to give back in some way to make the world a better place. That makes you an inspirational person. That makes you more persuasive. So I really have been in, in my career in business for you know 20 years. I've had an agency for 10 plus years. And I really tried to write down what is it that I believe made me you know, somewhat successful to keep a business going for so long and growing. And I really broke it down into those four principles with habits coming out of each of those principles. Mm. So have you always been this way or have you experimented in the past, maybe at the beginning of your career with not being as authentic? Because I know so many, you know, sales gurus out there and people that talk about marketing and, and selling, they're very abrupt sometimes and, and manipulative. And your take on things is so different. It's like personal development, become your authentic self, give, love the world, and you know, good will come back to you. And being vulnerable and being just the, the true version of yourself, which I absolutely love because, you know, I've definitely, you know, listened to other audiobooks or, or podcasts on people that really just try to make it about the manipulating uh, kind of side of things. And you're so not about that. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I, I, yes, to, to answer your sort of setup question, I, you know, these habits, that's why I call them habits because people don't come out of the womb, you know, they're not born great storytellers or great salespeople or, you know, knowing who they are or being generous. Those are things that you have to, some, some things you might innately have, you know, you might be a generous person by nature or an empathetic person by nature, but a lot of those you can learn and it's muscle memory. And if you practice, get into a practice of doing it, it's like anything, you know, you might, be horrible at yoga until you've done it for three years. I was bad at boxing. I've done that for a couple of years. Now I'm okay at it. But anything that you're doing, uh, you need to you need to learn, and it has to be a practice. And then it becomes a habit that you're just you just know, and you don't have to do. Uh, you don't have to think about it. it becomes sort of just spontaneous, uh, and and you're just doing it because you practice it for so long. So for me, I was always. I was always a little quirky and kind of leaned into myself and knew who I was. I mean, that developed more over time. I was always a, a pretty good storyteller, but I was never really a generous person. I was always sort of thinking about like everything from my perspective and what do I get out of this relationship or this experience or this business interaction. I was always coming at it from that mindset. That's just how I was naturally wired. So I had to really practice and be becoming a naturally generous person and thinking about other people and connecting people with my contacts without thinking about what the repercussions would, would be, except maybe that's a good thing for people to connect. And so I just had to practice that and really learn it to become, uh, you know, habitually generous. That wasn't something I was born with. 
Um, but now, you know, it's instinctive for me. I do a lot of things like anytime I buy a book, I buy two of them. And I think of someone down the road who I can mail it to, who I thought would get something out of it or learn something from it. When I read an article that I find really interesting, I, I, I keep that link and we'll send it one-on-one to some people that I think would, you know, they care about the retail industry or they care about politics or whatever it might be. So I'm always sort of naturally now thinking about giving things away to other people. When someone in my company asks me for time because they want to talk about something, I used to always sort of push it off or say no. And now my immediate reaction is to say yes and to figure out how to slide them in so that I can give them my time and attention. So it's just a real mind shift that has really, I think, helped explode my business because people are pulled towards generous, positive people. They're just pulled in towards that uh, sort of uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So what if though, what if you are trying to sell a product or sell yourself or your business idea or something and, and it, there's a time restraint on it? You can't, you know, you don't have that time to develop the relationship and give and, you know, show the person your authenticity. What if you're in a situation where you kind of, you need to kind of convince someone of something and you don't really have that time under your belt? Do you have any tips, maybe conversation tips or like language tips for anybody listening that is, or would be in that situation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. So yeah, that's a really great question. Um, And so I believe in uh, people have to become really good storytellers and the persuasive power of storytelling is, is really incredible. And I, there's a lot of tips in the book about how to become a better storyteller, but a lot of stories come from your own experience and things that you experienced and that make you who you are, but they can also come from your favorite book or movie and what the point of it was, what that told you, what your point is that you're trying to communicate to the other person. And whenever I, I always have a collection of stories and I always write down, you know, the first sort of the first sentence and then the way it's going to end and the point of the story and then everything else just kind of flows naturally. But it's a, it's a practice to become a good storyteller. So when you're pinched on time and you need to convince someone to hire you for that job, give you that promotion, whatever it might be, um, thinking about storytelling as to why you're the right person and experience that you had that showed some of your strengths. But people remember stories 22 times more than they remember logic or facts. And so when you're trying to convince someone, what sticks with people is a story. And the human mind is a, is a story processor, not a logic processor. So if you're trying to stay and sell yourself and stay in someone's memory banks, your bet your best bet is to do it through storytelling. Mm, so true. So, 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 so true. And also, you know, adding value, I think that's so important. Like I would never want to pitch something that I know wouldn't be good for that other person. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. I think is super important as well, because then you can just be authentic and you're not trying to hide something or, you know, that kind of deal. Right. Yeah, totally. So I have, I'm glad you brought that up. I sort of have this idea of um, never sell anything you wouldn't buy yourself. And I've got into experiences where 
I've launched products. Like, do you remember when um, Vine was really big? Mm-hmm. Well, I talk about that in the book where we, I saw this opportunity. Some guys in my company brought it to me where we could create a site where you could, it was always hard to like organize vines and search for vines. So we created this search function site where you could categorize vines and search for different vines. And we poured a lot of development money into it. We built this thing out and I was trying to get brands on board, but I personally didn't really see how Vine was going to stand out with the other, you know, video platforms. But I, you know, kind of got myself tied up into this could be a good money making opportunity. And uh, then of course, Twitter decided to kill Vine and it went away. And so did all of our money invested in this project. And so I, from there, I learned the learning from that story is you never sell anything you wouldn't buy yourself. And I didn't believe in it. And I'm not surprised it didn't last. But I, you know, spent a, a bundle of money for something I never really believed in. So you can never sell anything you wouldn't buy yourself. And don't be afraid to say no. When you're trying to someone comes at you with an offer or a deal, and it sounds good, you don't think you can deliver, or you don't think you're right for it. The, the power of saying no is really, really powerful. And so think about those two things. You know, don't be afraid to say no. Uh, it'll build trust with the other person for your reasons for saying no. So you can keep that relationship going instead of sort of taking it on or half-assing it or not delivering. And then don't ever, you know, if you don't believe in it, don't do it, um, even if it sounds good. Yeah, no, 100%. Totally agreed. So I want to talk about vulnerability. You talk about this in the book a lot, the power of vulnerability and being honest with the world. How would somebody that is insecure, not that confident, and really just new to all of this personal development work, how would they, in your opinion, you know, navigate how to become more vulnerable in social settings, you know, if they have anxiety or or like I said, insecurities that really, really have just been with them their entire lives. Do you have any big actionable tips and hacks or habits that that they should kind of integrate into their life to to change that? Yeah. So um, I mean, we all we all have those in different situations, right? Where we think, even me writing this book, I had you know imposter syndrome that I wasn't worthy to write this book, or that why am I the person to talk about? becoming a master influencer or an expert on persuasion. And so we sort of all have those doubts that uh, we're not good enough. You know, I rewrote a ton of this book over and over because I was never happy with it. And then you get to a deadline and you got to put the thing out there to the world. So, you know, even I have a lot of experience under my belt. I have a successful business and I, I still get a lot of, you know, anxiety and, um, feelings that I'm not good enough. And I think that's just natural. And so one, one research study that I do talk about in the book is that the feeling and emotion from being excited is exactly the same as the one for anxiety. And so mentally thinking about when you're in a setting that makes you nervous, instead of letting that anxiety creep up, try to, you know, sort of think about it as, this isn't anxiety. This is just excitement. And excitement feels like, you know, a, a pit in your stomach and a lot of energy and, you know, what's going to happen, the sort of 
unknown, going into the unknown. And I think when you start to like mentally shift and I have some other um, tips in the book as well, but when you start to mentally shift that I'm not, I'm not um, anxious, but I'm excited. I think it really reframes uh, what you're doing in a social situation and can really be powerful. So there's a couple um, different tricks like that, that uh, I think are really useful. It doesn't, it's not going to always take everything away and you're always going to have those feelings but you can sort of men- get mentally sharper through different um, ways to wire your mind. Yes. And you you know what? I literally use that trick when I speak in front of audiences. I had my first live event in London in July and I actually used that tactic. I was like, all right, Mimi, I am so excited. I'm not nervous. I'm so excited. And I literally tricked my body into just being excited instead of being nervous. And it really, really worked. And um, you know what else I've done in, in situations where I felt nervous or um, you know, like I, I just insecure in a sense, you know, sometimes it depends the situation, but sometimes I'll even be honest with the person and say, listen, I'm kind of nervous right now. And that shows vulnerability, which in turn is a benefit to you and your connection with that person. So that's another tip as well that, that I think is super powerful. I think that's true. And, and vulnerability is really hard um, to sort of open up. And I used to do a lot of, um, well, I still do a lot of keynote and speaking and you know now I'm doing a lot of speaking in public about the book and I used to be much more sort of positive 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 and this is what I accomplished this is what I accomplished here's another win and I realized that that wasn't me showing my true self and really fully leaning into who I was I had to show people and a lot of that is is written in different stories I have to show people that I failed a lot I haven't I've made a lot of mistakes, but those mistakes always come with a learning. They always come with an outtake to improve and do better. And so I've really opened up the way I do public speaking with sort of a balance of uh, some sort of allegories on what worked and then some examples of failures where there was a key takeaway that other people can learn from. And being vulnerable like that, knowing who you are, the good and the bad and all the warts really makes people gravitate towards you because it makes you feel more human. And even running a 200-person company, me being able to talk to my employees about how I feel at any at a, at a particular day or something that I'm worried about or the fears I have, it makes you a more connected leader because you're not this, you're not trying to be Superman that doesn't have any problems. You're being real. And I think that realness and authenticity uh, create stronger bonds with people that you work with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to be real, like anyone successful in anything in life, they've gone through struggles, they've gone through failures. And, you know, being real about it, it just, it, it's not like it, it doesn't make you a failure. It literally just makes you empowering and exciting to to listen to. And, you know, that's, I think, how I've created such an amazing community on my podcast. It's because I'm literally so honest with all these girls listening. I'm so honest with my struggles and my personal development journey and and everything that I've been through. And I think if I wasn't that way and I wasn't super honest with all of the bad things that I've gone through and all of the struggles that I've gone through, I'm sure so many of these girls wouldn't even, you know, really care to listen that much because nobody really at the end of the day, likes people that are completely perfect and makes them not that human, right? So true. I mean, that 
you seem untouchable, right? Um, and that's not real. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I, I love your book so much. I I honestly think it's incredible. And you know what? I actually was reading one of the reviews on your website. Somebody compared it to the modern version of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People book. That's such a compliment. That's incredible. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, what's funny is when I read the book, when I read, when I set out to write this book, I read all those old business books. And a lot of those talk about things like always be closing and ABC and going for the transactional, get, get them to say yes, make sure your chair is higher than them, mirror and match what the person, other person does so that they like you. And I really found a lot of that. Those are perennial best-selling books, but I always found them to be um, incorrect and outdated because we live today with fake news and who knows what, you know, Alexa listening to our conversations and, people hacking into our computers. We live in this world of distrust today where the the only way you can really build solid relationships and be successful in business is to build that trust in, a, in an age of distrust. And to do that, you have to have those characteristics that are about playing the long game and not going for the transactional money right off the bat, but realizing relationships and business it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you have to like build those relationships and not burn them by just trying to land a deal. And those old school books on selling are much more about selling day to day. And I much I believe that business is much more, you know, decades long of of work and relationships and networking to to be successful. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So have you ever struggled with somebody feeling like you were using them? Because I think that's a huge fear of mine when reaching out to people in my network, if I want to get them involved in something, you know, I I always just have that inner insecurity of like, oh, do they think that I'm using them? And I would absolutely hate that if anyone ever thought that of me, like, has that ever happened to you? And how do you deal with that? If that, if that person just, for some reason, doesn't think that you're being genuine? Yeah, I think that's happened to me a lot because I think in the past I was much more like that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I think it was coming from a place where I, you know, I wasn't necessarily an empathetic or generous person, you know, my whole life, and trying to develop that uh, has changed. Now I don't have any worries because I know when I ask someone for a favor. I know that I'm going to return the favor, you know, tenfold, or I'm going to return the favor before I ever ask them for a favor. And so, you know, having that mindset sort of takes away the insecurity that people think you're using them because uh, the, the, you're not using them. And when someone asks you for something, you don't really think twice about it. If it's something you can deliver, or if it's something easy, um, you know, that that comes naturally over time, you know. Yeah, totally. Okay, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been such an amazing conversation and I really urge my listeners to go pick up your pot or your book or listen to it on Audible. That's actually what I did. Um, I listened to it on Audible or you could pick up the physical copy if that is more your jam. But before we say goodbye, do you want to let everyone know your socials where they can find you and everything on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and such? 
Sure. Yeah. So I'm, uh, the website for the book is the soulful art.com and, uh, you can check it out there, read a bunch of reviews, uh, see, see more about the book. You can get a sample chapter. Uh, and then my Instagram and Twitter is just eight, uh, just add Jason underscore Harris. Very easy. Don't have a clever name. Uh, add Jason underscore Harris. So you can, you know, see more about me and my uh, company and what I do day to day. And it'd be great to connect with your listeners. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.